I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know, the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they used to bowl a kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring no game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. You're pinning words all like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. Yes, people. It's 2018, the blackest <laughs> year in the history of America exactly. and the globe. So y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. <clears throat> on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So y'all hear her voice. Mm. She's back. Yeah. 2018. You haven't been back yet this year, have you? I know. This is the first time. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I know y'all was like- Where you been? Y'all, y'all was a little salty <laughs> when I had to text. So, what, so y'all, what had happened was, so I have a friend, a homie from way back, uh-huh. that was coming through, but he wasn't going to be able to come through to San Diego. So bought me a plane ticket to come on up, and I'm not going to turn down nobody paying Where'd for me go? to fly up to San Francisco. Oh, right. So I ain't, you know, that's my town. Mm-hmm. That's where I was supposed to have been growing up in, but mom messed up and said, we going to San Diego. Mm-hmm. So I was raised in Southern Cali. But anyway, went up there, hanging out with the homie, and was like, well, I need to get back on Sunday, do a podcast. Like, no, I haven't seen you. And like, we got to go salsa dancing. So yeah, so I went, <laughs> so I blew y'all off. Of course you did. To go that's, see a homie I ain't seen in years. That's why, that's why you got salty. I ain't seen him in years. <laughs> who paid for the ticket. Right. <clears throat> and I was going to see, like, hey, can you like, if I can get an earlier flight? And I'm like, I'm going salsa dancing. <laughs> and y'all ain't gotten salsa dancing in so long. And I want to apologize to all those people in my hair that probably beat y'all when we're doing the twirls. <laughs> Man, it's been a minute since I wore the heels at the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I think I lost like she 15 had the, pounds. She had the Medusas just hitting Oh, my God. <laughs> like when you, have a, when you got a real salsa dance partner who knows how to do the swing. I'm terrible mm. at partner dances because I always want to lead. <laughs> and so when we do in San Diego, we have a place called Ole Madrid where we do all the salsa dancing at. So this, my homie is just one of those people that knew how to, do how to control me. Because you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm one of those submissives that need a good dom <laughs> to handle. <laughs> so when the homie finally says learned how, dumb. okay, it says the dom. I switch it up every now and then. I'm a switch. I'm a switch. But it was like when you find somebody who knows how to handle and right. just jam. It's it just been so, it's been like maybe I would say like seven years okay. since I've seen this person, and it's been like probably over ten years since we've done that dancing thing. So I had to go. I had to blow y'all off. So sorry, fans. That's sorry, exactly. fam. So that's what's up. Lisa Bolacaja, mm-hmm. y'all. And then we got my man Chris Derrick in the house from the writing directing team, the Derrick Brothers. What's up, Chris? Not much. Just how many movies you see this week? None. Seven. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> look, he can't even count. Look. See, <laughs> send a file, motherfucker. I only, you know, I I only rewatched Munich, so that's really it. yeah. Mm. Would you would you study in that? What's up with that one? Well, because you don't just be looking at shit. Why for the no rewatch? Reason. Why the rewatch? Um, this is why because. <laughs> Someone was telling me about Eric Ross' script, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, I have this somewhere. So I was reading it, and I was reading it, and I just wanted to see how well it kind of like went back and forth, because there's a lot in the script, 
And I was like, that's not in the movie, that, or that is in the movie, but right. he like approached it differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just interested about like how people who are on that level, you mm-hmm. know, like like that they're shooting. I mean, in terms of Spielberg, he's shooting stuff, and what's he determining mm-hmm. that is not necessary from the script? Mm-hmm. Because I always kind of feel like when people write stuff, the script has to do certain things that the movie the movie doesn't do. Right. And in terms of like, because because the movie will tell you something differently. <laughs> Or how the images come together, like tell you something, so you don't need to have so much stuff told. Right. Whereas you're reading, you do. I mean, there's always that classic thing, how in the drafts of Saving Private Ryan. You can Ryan, speak, Alex. Oh, I'm I'm just nodding over here. So there's this classic thing, you know, when he talks about um, in Saving Private Ryan, how Tom Hanks had a lot of dialogue explaining about his character mm-hmm. in the script. And in the movie, he was like, I don't need to say any of right. this. I can I just roll that. with the face. I'll shake my, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. And plus this, you know, plus I think that Munich is a film of his that is un, uh, it's underrated. It's really, really underrated because mm-hmm. I think basically it came from him. Right. I think it came from anybody else. People would love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, there's, you know, again, I, I love the way he blocks the, he, he blocks scenes like nobody. Mm-hmm. There's nobody knows how to do it like as as interesting as him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. And I just sometimes, I mean, there's that whole there's a scene in there, which the that big scene where he's trying to kill the um uh the East, uh, the Arab guy in Paris who's going to call it, right. you know. And it's just the way he moves the camera, and it's like he's like forcing your eye through. It's so much like there's so little very, cutting. Is it very point of yeah, view? But, or well, no, it's it's like like it's the way he like the camera will move to a close up on Lisa right here, mm-hmm. and it's going to swing around her, and it's going to show some it's going to show someone like way way down the street who's you know that she's looking at is very important, and then and he's making a phone call to someone who's it, it's just like it's just a, it's just really interesting kind of triangulation stuff mm-hmm. he does, and um, <coughs> so that's what I was looking at. Again. Cool. All right. That's what's up. So if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get into the show. So today, <clears throat> we got my little home dudes. <laughs> uh, my dudes, Alex, Alex Friedman and Nick Watson, everybody from Paper Team Podcast. You guys have seen it. I talk about it all the time on the show. I tell a lot of people to, you know, you see me. I tell a lot of people, I tell a lot of people to check out your show. <clears throat> I always describe you guys as um as um, um, script notes, but for the younger kids, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you guys probably get that too. It's he has a little bit of similarities. We and should describe it as the poor man's script. Poor- <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I can totally relate to it. Go ahead, Nick. What are you going to say? Script notes, annoying younger brother. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it, it feels like that in in the way that you guys um, could. You guys are very, very good about giving out information and what's what's the latest. You know. Um, website to check out, what's the latest book to read, what's the latest you know, site to go to. I mean, it's just you guys are really, really good at that. And I like that you guys aren't <clears throat> snobby about it. No, no, There's some people who get their podcasts like, oh, blah, 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 and you guys right. are like, hey, here's the information, go here, go, and it's really accessible for newbies. Right. You know, it's not like intimidating. Mm-hmm. Some people will get on these podcasts and you'll listen, it's like, oh, these people are just, they're, they're in the business, they know everything, and you guys make it really, really, I guess the best word is accessible for newbies to come right. into it. So. I, yeah. I, oh. oh, please. Well, I agree. I, you know, because I, I, the first one I heard was the one that Hillary was on, and I, and I went back and listened to a bunch of them back, just, you know, because I think that you guys do a good job of just like breaking down topics and, and also staying on topic. Like, you're right. very, very, like, it seems, it seems like it's very well designed. 
And right. that's what I like about it. <laughs> you wear a little Lucy Goosey over here. <laughs> <laughs> No, I caught that shade. <laughs> I'm going to wait till company is gone. Are you saying you guys don't have outlines for each no. episode? No. no. No, but it's cool because I like it because it's just like you said. It's, I mean, like the, the information you guys give, the the the, uh, the links and stuff, I think is very is very vital for people. Um, yeah, their show notes and show all notes. I'm I mean, like, it, what is that? I don't even know what that is. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I mean, because see, it's, it's a whole page I spent hours <laughs> writing every yeah, week. I know, you guys do, and it's great. But see, I, but it, but I think it has to go to the thing that you were saying about about with with uh, Craig and John. It's mm-hmm. like there's a there's and about people who are being intimidated. I mean, if you mm-hmm. get on and you listen to Craig and John, you're like, fuck, these guys are like major major fucking mm-hmm. big time writers. But I always feel like you should never feel intimidated by someone's what they know be, mm-hmm. in this business because this is what you guys are so good at is that. You guys are so aware of what you know, but you're also like, I gotta keep learning. I gotta mm-hmm. keep learning. Mm-hmm. And I feel a lot of times that, based on a topic you have looked at, you guys have probably studied. You probably researched it to talk about it as well right, as you have. Right. And I think that's what's great too. Yeah, so I mean, that was kind of the whole idea of us starting this podcast was that um, we had listened to script notes and to Children of Ten Do and all mm-hmm. these other podcasts that are amazing. Um, but you know, so many of them are from the perspective of people who are at the top of their game right. in the industry, and the rules don't apply to them, right? The same yeah, way. and they've right. kind of got like right. a lot of like champagne problems, and right. it's not something right. that really yeah. applies to us younger writers exactly. trying to break in now. And so, mm-hmm. even though yeah, we don't have that same experience or ability to kind of speak from that. Um, we like to share the, the stuff that we've learned from that same mm. level and just help other people who are, are right down there in the trenches with us trying to get in. Right. Yeah, I think also it's part of, um, I think, what we would have liked to have when we started. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's in part of why, you know, uh, this year is the 10-year anniversary of my site, TV Calling, mm-hmm. which I started when I was still in college. And Everybody should go on his site. He's got a lot of great information. Here's on the check. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I started in part because I wanted to sort of share my journey. Uh, you know, I'm a kid from France, and I didn't have you know um, necessarily access at that point to the states and working here and and breaking into this industry. And then I got lucky, uh, and I won my green card, and so mm-hmm. I shared that journey uh, mm-hmm. and sort of through that process. Also, um, how do you get you know your foot in the door and all right. that whole. Um, thing. Uh, and I feel like the, the Paper Team podcast was kind of the next evolution in that idea of, you know, we're both strong believers in sort of helping other people and, exactly. and lending a hand down when you move up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, that was kind of the idea. Yeah, and there's so many people like us too who are in countries that aren't the U.S. You know, I'm from Australia. Alex is from France, which is which is really fascinating the too. The international, yes, yeah. 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 Like there are people all over the world that are just sitting out there from the outside looking in, being like, "How do I become a screenwriter? How do right. I even get into LA and start working?" And mm-hmm. so, like for us, we were like, "What do we even do?" And that's what we're trying to give back and tell people you can do it. Right. right. Well, see, this was interesting because like. Um, I watched a lot of TV and cinema from France, and I watched a lot of like films from Australia. So I kind of have this weird, and um, I, I for a while had this weird kind of understanding. I was like, "Well, there has to be a, this, there's a thriving industry because there's so much cool product coming out." You know? <laughs> no, but, that's what we think. Uh, that's what we yeah. thought, you know. But then maybe like ten years ago, I went to this like um, there was just like this this. Uh, French Film Commission event here at Rongo Studios, and these guys were talking about what it's like in the community, and I was like, oh, it's just like, the, I realized it's like with music, like in, in England, mm-hmm. like everything has come out of London, because that's like the focal point of that 
country for right. everybody to go there. And I just realized that's what it was like for you guys. Like just, and it's going to be a small community, to, and it's very clickish and everything like that. So, uh, Well, I mean, personally, I'm from Paris, so it's not that clickish. However, I will agree that um, the, the TV industry in France, uh, or the lack of TV industry in France, <laughs> is, why, is why I left in the first place. Uh, because if, up until very recently, TV wasn't seen in France as an art form, essentially. Um, and it wasn't until people discovered all those like HBO shows and whatever uh, that people realized, wait, uh, this is actually interesting storytelling. Right. Um, and in France, you just had, for the better part of decades, uh, either poorly made French remakes of those American shows or dubbed version of American right, shows. Right. And those American shows <laughs> came out maybe a year later after they aired here. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this is pre-internet and all that. So um, so that was kind of one of the many reasons why I left in the first place, which is because there was no outlet for me to create shows and have those opportunities. Right. Okay. That totally yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about how you guys came over here in the first place. So you were, you were starting to go there. I mean, that was actually a really good reason why you came. What was it for you, Nick? Uh, a really similar kind of thing in Australia. Like, yes, we do have an industry, but it's very small. It is it is clickish. It's like you got to know exactly the right six people. Uh, mm. They're the ones. And then so much of it is also funded by the government in the same way that uh, the UK industry is and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like all of our films, they're, they're subsidized by sort of... Um, TV also, right? Yeah, TV too. Okay. Like funding grants from the government. Mm-hmm. You need like experienced producers attached to your projects to even get a look in. And there are very right. few outlets and pathways for younger writers to actually get a foot in the door. Like even some of their kind of like competitions that like the guild runs to try and, you know, it's the, our equivalent of like the Academy Nickel and whatever, mm-hmm. you have to still pay something like $500 to be an associate <gasps> member really? of the guild. And yeah, then you can pay a couple what? hundred bucks Jeez. to enter the competition. And what? then maybe you get put on their list of people that they pay attention to. And then you wow. can go to their programs. It's just such a like high barrier to entry and I think it really you know not only emerging writers but also people from sort of other like um, you know disadvantaged communities and and diverse perspectives like Mm -hmm. you're blocking them out too by putting Mm -hmm. that barrier in place so it's really disappointing um so yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some great Australian cinema that comes out, but really nothing for those young emerging people to do unless they get noticed in the U.S. and and start over there. So, well, it's interesting because I feel like since we both left, uh, there's been an evolution uh, in mm-hmm. that process. I mean, in France specifically, uh, maybe it was because I left. Alex is gone. Yeah, All right, now start yeah, the good yeah. stuff. Uh, <laughs> open the gates. Open, open the gates. Open the gates. Alex is gone. Let's give everybody. Their own show now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, one of the major film schools in, in Paris uh, suddenly opened a program for uh, TV writing. And they brought in all these American writers to mm. teach French people right. how to write TV. And the new class of TV writers in France, the people who wrote uh, Les Revenants and all those mm-hmm. uh, shows that you guys probably have seen, um, all grew up watching American shows, not French TV necessarily. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of taking cues from, I don't know, The Shield, for example, mm-hmm. all those American shows, and making their own uh, version of that mm-hmm. in France. Right, right, right. Which I will say once again, mm-hmm. my, the, my favorite show of 2017 was a French cop drama. It's called Spiral in the oh, States. Right. Mm-hmm. It's called Engrenage in 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 France, and I think there's another season. Have you seen that, Alex? I have. In fact, uh, one of my earlier internships was working uh, for this uh, TV uh, news outlet, and I interviewed a bunch of the Sparrows actor at the time. That show was like my. I mean, that's my show. I tell yeah. everyone like, they got to watch that show, but it was like, why well, I got to watch it? I was like, just watch. 
watch just it. Watch it. <laughs> it's, 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 it sounds like one of these shows you'd see on like CBS or something like that, mm-hmm. but it's totally as intricate, as smart, as like like it's even more like cliffhanger than the Shield, really? in my opinion. Wow. Because the character, you know, the main character is this woman, mm-hmm. and I mean, and it's interesting to me because they were not afraid to show the sexism in the workplace the way that you don't necessarily see it here mm-hmm. on and on on I mean if the if the female's the lead of the show you know she's not taking that much sexism I mean she is but it's but 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 she's going to triumph because it's She's a lead, right. but in that show, no. no. I, I, I was like, "Wow, that's it's the, like old school, yeah, old school it, crime suspect." Yeah, it's yeah, like, damn, yeah. Like, why are yeah, you still yeah. top? You know, but, <laughs> but on top of that, the mystery, the crime was right. so cool. Too. I was like, "Fuck, that's cool." Right. So, y'all stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so today I thought it'd be interesting to talk about, you know. Um, <laughs> what did you? How did you put it, Alex? The, uh, oh, the bringing from inside the system. Bringing from inside the system. That's interesting. Uh, from the assistant's point of view. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yes. Because um, you guys have both worked in lots of for lots of different production companies and and as their personal assistants or as their assistants in the in the room, all kind of different. So let's let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, my first <clears throat> job it wasn't even in America. I actually moved to Vancouver, up in Canada, first mm-hmm. because I had lived there before. I went on exchange when I was in college and had some friends there. I knew there was like a ton of production going on, and there right. still is. Is actually like a, a lot more than when I, I was there. So uh, they still uh, take a good majority of shows over there to yeah, shoot. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. There's right. actually so much going on that like all the studio space is booked out. They're renovating warehouses and like <clears throat> old post offices and right. like all these like places into the studios. But um, so I showed up there like right before that. I was Actually, somehow I had convinced people to let me teach screenwriting in a university. Like, well, I, <laughs> so I convinced them, right? Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I like to teach. <laughs> yeah, I was like still finishing. I did my master's of screenwriting uh-huh. back there, and then so they were like, "Oh yeah, we need." It was so it's weird in the Australian system. It's halfway between like a lecturer and a uh, like a. A TA kind of thing. Oh, right. So, um, yeah, we we're just called sessional tutors, but I would take a whole class by myself. And so that was awesome. And that was cushy. And mm-hmm. it was only, I don't know, 15, 20 hours a week. And mm-hmm. it paid really well. But I, I realized there were just no opportunities for me to actually get into the industry. I could sit there and teach other people that for as long as I wanted to, mm-hmm. but I wasn't going to be able to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I felt like a bit of a fraud, I guess. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I just like got on a plane and I, I marked the last 40 scripts or something that I had to read in a week and then like jumped on a plane, went to Vancouver and had no idea how I was going to get in, but I was mm. like, I'm just going to do it. Uh, and I basically just ended up cold calling and emailing around production offices. They put yeah. up this list of things, and I'm just like, hey, I'm, I had done some work on like basically public access TV in Australia. That was like my whole experience right. thing. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> let me. Sh- I'm, sh- I'm ready to run a show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, oh, so naive. I was like, oh, I'll work for free for a day just so you can see that, you know, for a week. And, and then there's like, we can't <laughs> legally let you do that. I'm going to ask you a question. This is interesting. How. Like what is that? How <laughs> you know? Squeezing my neck right here. So the same time. Like, no. I, so how difficult did you find? Or not difficult, but what's the difference you find between like like cold calling production companies in places like Vancouver mm. and then here? Uh, well, I basically did the same thing when I ended up down in LA. Um, 
it was a pretty similar experience, to be honest. I think there was maybe more opportunities just floating around in Vancouver because there was so much work and they're so desperate for a crew and they're willing to take chances on people who have literally never worked a day in their lives, mm-hmm. whereas L.A., it's a bit of a higher standard. Um, and there's a lot more on-set work in Vancouver, uh, especially on, out on location. So you're usually like <laughs> going and driving an hour and a half, two hours out of Vancouver and right. standing outside in the cold and rain for 15 hours or whatever. But um, yeah. <laughs> Directing traffic in general. But, but surprisingly <laughs> similar. Like I basically... Right employed the same method both times mm-hmm. and somehow it worked out for me so started getting on sets and um yeah you have something else no i was just asking you you were cold calling for set experience not desk uh, yeah i wasn't i wasn't cold calling or hey do you need a writer i was right. uh <laughs> that's important that's yes important. exactly i was like i just want to get in i want to do anything i'll stand on set i'll call the roles i'll change your trash bags or whatever and so mm-hmm. um i did that how can for, you say no to that okay <laughs> well, no it's interesting because like i've met people out here i've met a lot of you know, producers and stuff. And they're so, um, they're, they're very wary to take people on Mm -hmm. because they don't know how to trust you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the one thing that a lot of people are not, they're not thinking about. They, they're very enthusiastic. They're very, they go, I want to learn. But the flip side is people who hire you, they don't know you. Mm-hmm. And everything in this industry is trust. Mm-hmm. Everything. And it's also even beyond outside the industry. It's like, uh, to me, I'm at the point now where I don't watch trailers and movies. I just say, okay, who, who wrote it, who produced it, who directed it? Right. And, that's, and, if, and, if, and that's my barometer. I don't need to see the trailer because... You know, if it's people who I'm like, oh, you've let me down too much. I'm not going to watch your movie. I don't care what. Stop it. Stop making movies. I don't care how good it is. I mean, I don't care what it looks like in the trailer. You have like, like, like. You've breached that with me. We've had those painful moments where the trailer was like popping. You get there, it's like, oh my god. Stab you. That were all the good mo- those were oh all the good God. moments. Where, yeah. Oh, man. I think you're totally right that you hit on that thing that like this industry is so much about relationships. And if you come in from from some other country and you literally know zero people, like how do you even get a foot in the door and make a start yeah. like that? So, Yeah, I mean, on that, uh, I didn't really have a pit stop in Vancouver. I When I got my green card, I only had a few months to relocate to the U.S. And that happened to be the last year of my uh, bachelor's degree. So mm. I... Literally packed my bags, went on a plane, landed in L.A., didn't really know anyone. Uh, also, I was under 21 at the time, and uh, as much as I love to drink, the most important <laughs> thing when you land here is networking and meeting people. Right. And where do you network, and where do you meet people? You go to mixers. Mm-hmm. Where do those mixers happen? Mm-hmm. At bars. So you, you were basically standing outside <laughs> exactly. with some ginger ale in your hand. <laughs> exactly. People through the window, like, hi. Yes. Uh, I got a sign, you know. <laughs> <laughs> willing to work uh, yes that was exactly my experience but the first six months uh, in LA were really rough for me specifically because you know I didn't have a car I didn't, yeah. now how long uh, have you been here by the way uh, this year is going to be my eighth, my eighth year. Okay. Uh, yeah, I moved here twenty ten. Right. What about um, you, Nick? Just out of curiosity, uh, I've been in LA for about two and a half years, and I was in Vancouver for nine months to a year before that. So okay. three and a half years in North America, I guess. Oh, mm. And so when I moved to the states. Uh, part of this idea of, you know, you need to know people and you need to have experience also. Uh, and most people fresh off college uh, get experience through internships. Um, I was done with college, but inter- free internships are illegal. So the only way to get internships are either a paid internships, which don't exist in LA, mm-hmm. or uh, college credit internships. 
And I wasn't in college, so I literally had to enroll to the LA Community College yes, to yes. apply for internships. Yep. So it's actually yeah. paid Smart. for my internships. Uh, and I landed. <laughs> That's a hustler right there. Like, <laughs> smart, though. All right, I got a bachelor's degree. You got to want it. Hey, you got to right. want it. Well, see, because, like, you know, constantly we were, you know, you do these things when you make movies and you're like, oh, if we had a student on board, we We could, talked about that, didn't yeah. we? Right. We could get these right. discounts and stuff like right. that. And it's just, I, I feel like. That's very entrepreneurial of you. It's going to cost you money, but I realize it's, it's says, a long run. But you know what? Right. It's a long it's a, game. You have to spend money to make money. Right. You know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I was lucky to land in a, 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 an internship in development at this network called Epics, which is now much more well known. Uh, but actually, the person I worked for in, what was it, 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. that reference got me the job I'm on now. Uh, all these years later and so that was from you know internship Mm -hmm. all these years ago Um, and so really uh, I do believe in this idea of you gotta maintain those relationships you gotta uh, build those references and uh, and that experience Um, and it all starts with internships or PA work uh, with uh, Nick yeah that's that's interesting you mentioned you got that job from that like you never know how the people you meet uh, down the line, like they may, yeah, refer you to someone mm-hmm. or sure point you to an opportunity, and you know, vice versa. Like you should be helping those people out too. But like, I think a lot of people think that networking is some kind of like short game where it's like, <laughs> oh, I met someone who is a writer's PA on my favorite show. I'm just going to become best friends with them, and they're right. going to get me a job on that show. It's, that's not how it works. You make right. friendships with these people, genuine friendships, and years later, you're always trying to help each other out. And somewhere down the line, you never know how it'll pay off. Um, I think. I think. People always have illusions of grandeur. <clears throat> like, perfect example. So you just said you meet somebody who's, let's say, a writer, writer's assistant on a show. Three years later, they end up getting their own show. Well, you think they're going to hire me as a writer. No, they're going to hire you as a writer's PA. Mm-hmm. They're going to just try to get you in. Yeah. You know what I mean? But your illusions is, oh, well, I know them. They get to know me. We're going to be hanging. They're going to do something big for me. It's like, no, just get a bite. Just get a little crumb. Yeah, well, see, here's, you know? yeah, you're right. I mean, it'd be different if... You met this guy as a PA, and you were a PA, and then you were staffing a few shows, and mm-hmm. then he got his show. Right. At that point, he might hire you as a writer because he he feels because you because you have the bona fides. Right. But you're right. But I mean, there's there's always that. I think it has a lot to do with like the the the, the day of the locust syndrome mm-hmm. in this in this like, like in this town that you come out here and you think that it's gonna be like it's it's gonna be easy street so, right. like there's gonna be this one little thing that's gonna turn it all for you next thing you know I mean it's the thing you know I was writing this pilot about this in one time and I was trying to tell people that you know the 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 dream and the and the the propaganda right. of almost almost of, of just America in general, mm-hmm. but particularly in Hollywood, is that, oh we know yeah, it's this thing. That, I mean, it's it's always you know the movies have been saying this forever the whole time. There's like there's just the turn. There's like the swab grocery sto- the swab drugstore stories. There's always that part, and I right. feel like that is what is such a is such a. Uh, 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 it's what you know. It's what Dave Chappelle calls the brittle spirit, right. because once you find out that's not the truth, out here, what right. it, it sends people home. It sends a lot of people home after well, a couple of years. And I was just talking to a writer the other day who came in here. Um, I was a young young writer from the from the the CBW committee of the Black uh, the Writers Guild. <clears throat> I was reading his scripts. I was sitting, giving him and his writing partner notes, and we were talking about how writers come to LA. And the intimidation of how many people are here. And I was like, I'm not intimidated even a little bit. Even when I was an actor, I never was intimidated because I know people come off the boat or off the plane or off the bus every day and they're not ready. They can be gorgeous. They can have 
the greatest idea, but it's about execution, you know? So I'm never intimidated by it at all. I'm like, you can pitch to me the greatest idea, I'll read it, and be like, eh, it still needs whatever, and you'll feel the same way. So until you nail that, and you, it takes experience to get to that point. It takes you 10 scripts before they say you're good at all, you know what I mean? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, and also you can't really compare yourself to anyone else. Right. Because we all have our own journey. We all have our own paths. I mean, you can, you can compare yourself to, you know, Josh Schwartz, who was, I don't know, 24 when he <laughs> created the OC right, and right. graduated USC. Bastard. But, but, There's yeah. always going to be an example. There's right. always some right. example. And, right. There's always exceptions. And those are always put in front. Well, the, the thing is, is, that, is that those miraculous inceptions – can you know ex- examples are the ones that the industry pushes forward to right. make it to I mean I think they have to but they to, love that they, they, they love, love the mythology right. of no, it they have to because that's what you see what coming out here it's, a rom- it's, a, exactly. it's, it's that romance they want right. to keep perpetuating I mean, all these people that they call overnight successes once you actually do some looking into it and their stories like they have been doing the right. grind for a like, long time they've yeah. been on the grind for right. a long time just because people notice them oh no now they're an overnight right. success mm-hmm. Josh was writing in freaking middle school right? yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it's, it's like it's, it's like Liz Hanna like she basically said I'm going to quit the industry but mm-hmm. I'm going to do just one script and then I'm done Right. you know and then next thing you know she's I we just, we just had, so. why am I going blank on his name? The guy who wrote I, Tanya. Oh, I forget. I know you're Speaking talking about. Whatever. We just had him come speak with us on Tuesday at the LGBT committee. And he talked about how he was done. And he was like, saw the documentary, found out the information about Tanya, reached out to her. This is interesting. He reached out to, the, he saw a number on her website for her agent. The agent's number was at a, what they call it? Eight hotel? Motel eight hotel. Oh, wow. And he was like, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Golden Globe. Right. Cut to the Golden Globe. But he was wow. done. Nobody wanted him to write the script. You know what I mean? And, 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 I, and I tell people all the time, you know how many people we've interviewed, over 100 and whatever. It, every time somebody tells us a story about how they finally broke in, it's a script nobody wanted them to write. Yeah, and, and luck is... Uh, like yours L- luck, Tell yeah. me That's going to be the one yeah. Well I mean it, Luck is essentially Opportunity meets uh, Preparedness Preparation yeah. Exactly right. So uh, every script you write Is a ticket in that lottery Every right. person you meet Potentially is a ticket But right. it's not the ticket Right It's not right. You, do, just, you just don't buy one ticket And uh, expect the lottery uh, right. Off of that one script Right Yeah it really feels like The most consistent key to success Is persistence Thank like you there, there will be people Who will, will sit here And grind it Like there are people Who try it for one year And then they give up right. Oh no I'm never going to make it I didn't get my big break Or whatever But you know There are people Who will sit here And, and write 10 scripts a year And they will they'll keep Going mm-hmm. and going and going And trying And even if like Being realistic Maybe they're not The most crazy talented Writer in the world They're persistent And they're making this Best of their opportunities right. And they will get work right. Eventually you know? Yeah also I would add on, the, on that idea Of writing 10 scripts A, a year and so forth uh, Most people Have this idea Of the, the muse That needs to strike you At mm-hmm. a certain time At a certain point of day And to some extent That is true But the reality is When you work In our example for TV or mm-hmm. in TV, you have to be on point every day, right. you know, every hour. Uh, and you can't have the luxury of once when you're on the deadline of thinking, oh, you know what? I'm going to write this script when, you know, the mood strikes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work that way. Like yeah. Netflix is going to call you being like, hey, where's my script? Right, uh, right. And you're going to have that script done. So really, I feel like that's a, an, an 
aspect uh, that new writers don't really appreciate is it's not about finesse. One aspect is finessing that one amazing script, but it's mm-hmm. also about you know building that cabinet, essentially right. working and constructing the scripts. Because at the end of the day, uh, those awards on a the page they're not you know uh, they're not going to be hung at whatever right. museum. And that, right. and that's why they came up with the vomit script, mm-hmm. you know, so you can teach yourself to write faster or to just get it out or whatever the story, you know, I, th- I think that's a partly yeah. why, where that came from. I mean, I think it's kind of why there's a, it's interesting, I think it's why they ha- they were asking a lot of people to write spec episodes for those programs because... Oh. Well, they you, still do. They, mm-hmm. they still do, but the, but and I, the, the heavy lifting is already done for you in... If, I mean, if, yeah. if, I'm, if, if I'm writing spec, whatever, backstory, right. backstory, backstory right. voice, right. everything, mm-hmm. it's just, can you do it, and can you write it, you know, and they just, they just come up with a story. Right. Just come up with a simple story, you know, that's, that, that's mm-hmm. yeah, your way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, people have this, I don't know, again, it's this whole thing with the, the notions of what it is to be a writer, I mean, and, and the type of things. I mean, I was reading, like, you know, I was doing the Wells thing, and I was reading, like, they, uh, what makes Sammy... Run this this oh, this, yeah. this Sammy Glick story mm-hmm. and it's like it's interesting because I because I because I heard about it all the time and I didn't know what it was about. Uh, I mean, I think it's, you think it's about an agent. It's about a guy who's it's told from the point of view of a writer, and you know, and he's under contract at this uh, some studio. I think it's Paramount the way they describe it, and it's like he's got to go there every day and crank out fucking pages, mm-hmm. and just crank them out, crank them out, and you know, and then he gets robbed from credit. But it's like it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the movie. So that the never The story's <laughs> about. It's just, but this guy is, and it's like, and, it, and there's this, there's this ability to come out and crank out the pages right. that I think that that even. Even now that people like think differently about screenwriting, because back in the '40s and '30s, you're in a contract right. and you got to knock out shit mm-hmm. because they're cranking out like the number of te- there's no television then, so there was a, a, a high degree of movies coming out every week right. mm-hmm. to fill that um, to fill that entertainment space. Right. There's a reason why it's called a job, not a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just to jump back on the spec thing, I mean, I totally agree that. Uh, one of the reasons why you do have that spec idea in fellowships is because they want to see your ability to write mm-hmm. a producible hour of television. Right. They don't want the next Game of Thrones. They right. want to see, oh, can you write whatever, The Good Wife or The Flash, whatever that may mm-hmm. be. And then through that, can you also blend your voice with that of someone else's voice? Because right. in TV, nine times out of ten, you're not going to be writing your own show. You're going to be writing the show of someone else. Correct. So you're going to be able to mimic that person's voice and ability to speak through their characters and what does that entail exactly. Right. right. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions and one of the biggest issues with younger writers today is everybody thinks, oh, well, we don't need to do a spec because everybody wants to read a pilot. I'm like, yeah, but you should even do one to test yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. It has to be something you should learn to do. So anytime a young writer comes in here and I have three or four of them a week, Coming here to just sit in my office and we chap it up and I'm like, just practice. Just to just to learn how to do it. It's important. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I know, and it gives me shit for that. But uh <laughs> but I do I hundred percent agree with you on all those points. Uh the writing a spec of an existing show, especially if you're a young writer who's really never written a pilot to begin with, right. uh that's the best first step to uh entering that TV space is really uh to dip your, your toes in that space of a show you feel confident about or right. you feel excited to write for. Right. I mean, that's literally the job when you're on staff is writing a spec, like writing specs of the show that you're on. Like, that's <laughs> right. all you're doing. So. Right. So why not master yeah, it? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's. It, I think a lot of people feel, you know, there's, there's, there's always that, that, you know, they tell you never to write the spec of the show that you want to work on, but there's always a story about someone who does that. 
You know, I mean, I mean, I remember like like Stephen Knight was telling me one time that somebody wrote a, a Spartacus mm-hmm. that he re- that 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 he heard about. He's like, okay, I gotta read this. <laughs> yeah, you know? the curiosity gets yeah, yeah, sure, right. Everyone's telling me it's my show. It's as good. It's, it's as, and it's as good as what I would do. I gotta right. read it. And then he hired a person. Right. So it does happen, but it's rare. But you're right. It's. I think you 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 made a good point about is it producible? Because in today's landscape, I can't think of a show that would be that would not be producible. They'd put money behind it. I mean, if Amazon like paid a, paid a quarter billion dollars. Just for the rights, like you guys were saying, right, just for the right. rights of Amazon. I mean, for Lord of the Rings, then you know that they're gonna. The, that's that's not even to produce the goddamn show. I, I know. Crazy. one hobbit in But but you say to yourself, oh, so man. they're gonna spend twenty million dollars an episode on this, they and they to. don't care. It's gonna be the most expensive show in the world. They don't care. Right. Which to me, I was like, okay, if you're gonna do that, right? You know what? Let's have real extras, not CGI, so it looks good. Thank you. But um, I can't stand that. Yeah, uh, but, uh, it's the worst. It's interesting. I mean, it's a really good point. I, and I, and I, there's a lot to learn. I mean, I remember when I first came out here, I heard Chris McQuarrie say, you know, I wrote twelve scripts that that no one's going to read before he wrote. Um, uh, what's the one he did? Public Access before mm-hmm. he used those books. But he kept, he kept, he kept saying, "There's a crack. You got to, yeah, you have to learn." How to do it? I mean, you have to, there's there's things that you don't <clears throat> like even know about what it means to, to to produce something that when you're writing, can you just be writing all these flights of fancy because this what the story is? But right. you're not even worrying about budget or stuff like that. I mean, just yeah. I mean, there was a, a note I got from Scott, about, you know, about my script, and he mm-hmm. was like, "It's a great scene, but you should but you should you should trim that character out because that character." Is is going to be like some stunt casting, right. and it's going to do all this kind of stuff, and it's from one. It's scene. just going to cost you more it's money. Just gonna, right. It's just right. not. It's not right. worth right. it. And he right. was like, and, and he was like, and you know what? I've done this with with Larry like on a dozen times, and we don't. Mm-hmm. It's just you, you. I was like, yeah, because you know, because right. you know, <laughs> which we're not going to spend money, and, and it's, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I remember I used to work at a bond company. And the accountant used to always he he always used to say to me like when you look at budgets and you got to think about there's t- there's two things that you got to worry about that it, that you know that they're gonna fuck the movie up if they don't put enough money in like um, set and production design yep. or in hair and makeup because everyone <laughs> is right. because that's right. what you're looking at and you know what and 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 he, and he was like if that falls apart everything else falls apart because right. then the magic is broken you know and then it's like so then where do you put that money right and and to your point about characters and specs i mean one of the biggest mistakes people make when they write those tv spec scripts is focusing on a guest character or uh someone they made up for that one episode and Mm -hmm. the reality is that those leads are paid millions of dollars right right, to be the leads of the show so you better put some words in their mouth otherwise (laughs) it's wasted space so the, the reality is that also trains you to Really hone in on those characters. What do they want uh, on you know episode number ninety five of that right. show? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean to have a lead that's been you know chasing whatever superheroes or supervillains for mm-hmm. like five seasons? Like, how do you keep it fresh? Right. Uh, and so that's one other way that if you let him, Alex is going to talk about specs for the rest of this entire episode. <laughs> 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 it's all right. Well, let me I'm hijacking, I'm this hijacking it. <laughs> what are we called again? Room. <laughs> so look. So, so we're talking about uh, being an assistant. So, let me ask you guys: what was your what was your breaks in? And and also, if you were a writer now, 
who came in to LA and you wanted to be an assistant, what would you do? Knowing what you know. Wow. Uh, how long do we have? Uh, so in terms of my first break, Time's my up. first... <laughs> Damn it. Trying to be you. Trying to be you. <laughs> All right. See you on paper team. Uh, no, I mean, in terms of my first break as a bona fide assistant uh, or a PA uh, on a show, uh, my break was a bit um, unexpected in the sense of... I was at Comic-Con, and someone recognized me from my website TV calling right. and essentially offered me a job uh, because she Wait, knew Wait, so you're walking around my hometown. <laughs> They're there every year. And okay, somebody says, oh, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this There's is Alex. <laughs> Out of all those people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're Skills. like, ooh, is this uh, Chris Evans? I don't get why Chris Evans. Because oh, <laughs> <laughs> he left France. <laughs> now we can see him in, in San Diego. That's, that's what it's all about. Uh, but basically, you had you have those badges with your name mm-hmm. on it, and it had my Twitter handle and my Twitter handle on gotcha. TV calling. So they recognized me through that. Um, but that goes to show that you have to put yourself out there in some form, right? Even if you don't have, even if you're not in LA, right? I started my blog when I was still in Paris. Tell the kids a little bit about TV Calling and how it works. Sure. I mean, TV Calling, uh, as I I said, uh, was a blog that I started when I was in college. Mm -hmm. Initially, it was just about talking about my experiences, um, my being a fan of TV shows and, and dipping my toes in TV writing. I started reading books about TV writing. What does it entail? I reverse engineered some shows to understand the act form, uh, the act format and how those scenes worked. You know how Chris yeah, was yeah. in the file? Look, listen, this listen. With TV, he, let me tell you. Listen, listen. Alex was doing his homework. He was doing his work. He was doing his homework. He was pulling apart the Tinker Toys, right, right. putting it back together, right. repurposing it. He was rebuilding He man. He was doing it. He was doing it. I Continue. Just, I, I just, just, just want to interject one, one point. That's the thing that I think that, that, that writers and just people in general in the industry mess up at is they don't immerse themselves right. in the work that they want to do because they need because you need to be able to tear something apart and understand how it worked. And you can't do that if you just go, I got my story to tell. Right. Right. Because there's there's so many ways that there's so many ways that, that you could tell your story that aren't the way that you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. That's that someone else could have done your story in a way like, oh, that's how the, I could have done it. And then right. so back. A hundred percent. And and in terms of doing your homework and figuring it out, a lot of people balk at the idea of, of specking a show of which they don't have the scripts for. Right. And I didn't have scripts back in Paris. You know, oh, so really? I, you have what do you have? You have the episodes of TV right. shows, and what do you do? Mm-hmm. You watch those episodes and you break those scenes up. You're like, okay, you pull out an Excel spreadsheet or whatever you need to mm-hmm. to understand that, oh, act one is maybe 15 pages or equivalent because, you know, a page is a minute. And then how does that translate for the A story, the B story, the C story? Right. Maybe the A story is going to be the lead character and the B story is going to be, you know, the plot of the season, whatever that case may be. And then you can understand, oh, now I can write a spec for this show because mm-hmm. I understand how they broke their own episodes. It's really putting yourself uh, into the mind of the writer's room. Uh, in a way, well, yeah, because it yeah. wouldn't matter if you had the script or not. If you hadn't broken it down the way you're saying to understand what they're doing, it's actually kind of a. Um, it feels like a crush in a sense because it is all. This is all they're doing. Blah blah blah. Because the scripts aren't broken up like here's the A story, mm-hmm. here's the B not story. at all. Right. You know, right. <laughs> right. 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 
is organic. Right. <laughs> but I could just see him sitting there and were you like pausing stuff, like oh, writing your little notes. Oh, let me ask you a question. Yes. Hold on, hold on. He didn't get. He didn't answer my yes. question yet. If you if you can remember your right question. For TV calling. No, uh, no, yeah, we did. It? We got to that. Sure. So so if you were coming in today, knowing what you know now, what would you do to become an assistant? Yes. Ooh, I listen to Paper Team. <laughs> 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 uh, hey, sell it, yes. sell it, sell it. Right. I, I feel like the, the big point are, one, you got to meet people. I think that's the, the number one thing. Put yourself out there is the second thing is create your own material. Um, maybe not a web series necessarily, but whatever, a blog, wh- whatever you want uh, to talk about. Put yourself on a platform. Uh, maybe it's Twitter. You know, if you're a, a comedy writer, an aspiring comedy writer, I feel like stand-up and Twitter are great tools right. that, you know, t- 10, 15 years, well, maybe not stand-up, but Twitter definitely 10, 15 years ago didn't exist. <laughs> Right. So uh, that's definitely an area. Uh, and then work on your scripts. I mean, that's an obvious thing to say, but you got to write scripts. Before, before you answer your question, I'm going to say this. <clears throat> so you guys know my producing partner, Pamela, the big casting director. So every once in a while, her assistant can't go with her to a casting. She'd be like, Hill, you want to come? I'm like, you know me. I love to sit in the casting. <laughs> so I'll go and I'll, I'll work as her assistant, even though I'm a fucking producer. <laughs> and I will get her coffee. I will answer the phone. I will do everything. And here's a perfect example. So years back, we were doing the Cedric Entertainer show, right? And we were casting that. And I was doing so much stuff and taking care of everybody. Cedric turned and went, we got to be a Disney on the show. <laughs> like that. Because I was doing so much and she laughed. She said, you know he's a producer. He's just helping me out. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, you going to be in the writer's room? Like we started having it. So I started being in the writer's room, hanging out, whatever, pitching shit, whatever. And that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm telling you, so where I was going with it was this. I always tell every intern or people who want to be my assistant, <clears throat> like I have one rule. They're like, what? Like if I drop it, pick it up. And I don't mean it like you're my fucking servant. I just mean make it easier for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we talked about this, Nick. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just want to make sure that I'm taken care of. If you see something's missing, you see my water went down, just fucking take care of it. You and know what I mean? 100%. And, p- and people respect hard work. And right. that's your job as an they assistant. They see it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's your job as an assistant right. is to make the other the other person's life easier. Right. That's the end of the line. Whatever that means, you do it. Basically. And um, in terms of assuming those people are not assholes and they respect you, then they're going to promote you. Obviously, right. we live in a culture where that may not be the case all the time. Right. But uh, <laughs> hopefully those people are not assholes and respect right. your work and they see it. And also don't be afraid to make them know at some proper time that <laughs> you aspire to be something more than just right. their lackey or mm. whatever that word is. But really you want to uh, portray this idea of, oh, I'm, I'm putting in the hours, I'm putting in the grind. But, you know, hopefully by your whatever, I can be promoted to Can I ask you a question? Job. Keep your thought, Chris. I know, I know I'm interrupting you. It just jump. Do, when you guys are assistants for, let's just say, a writer or a producer, is it, is it assumed because you're working with them that you're supposed to just be learning? Or do they actually take time? Like, I take time, you know, during the week to be like, okay, on Thursday, from this time to this time, we're going to focus on how to break down a scene. You know what I mean? Whatever. Do they do that for you guys or what? So the reality is it all depends on who your boss is, right? right. So like mm-hmm. one of the my latest show, uh, the showrunner on that show is very open about me being in the room Good. and me actually learning things. In yeah. fact, she's mad when I'm not in the room. Oh, you know, it. When I'm on, on my <laughs> desk outside. 
Yes, I do get to pitch wow. occasionally. So, and I know that I'm lucky in the sense of the, you know this was one of the most open rooms right. in TV, etc. And I know That'll some other shows, again, don't get right? Exactly. <laughs> some other, you know, some if, if you're a PA, writer's PA, usually you don't get to pitch or right. what, you know. So some people in equivalent positions don't have the access that I have, and, right. and I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on uh, those genre. But again, if you if that person is not aware of what you want to do, then they're not going to give you the opportunity. It's true. I feel like mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah, in my most recent job before my current one, I was working for a guy who was a literary manager and producer, and he was really good at that mentoring stuff. Um, oh, but we haven't all- talked. You're not there no more, huh? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, like, he's so busy as well that, like, you have to kind of, like, ask the questions and right. make time for it. As soon as I was like, oh, wait, can you talk me through how does, like, a writer's contract work? He's right. like, absolutely, sit down. Here's a contract. Let's oh, go right. through it. Like, he would make the time, but you had to, like, make it clear that, like, I'm interested in learning this stuff. Okay. And here's what I want to learn, mm-hmm. um, rather than just kind of sitting at your desk and expecting him to come over and be like, "All right, what are we learning today?" You know? Right, right, right. Um, but you know, I think that a lot of people are open to kind of giving back and mentoring and helping people out like that. Yeah. Okay, Chris, do you remember your question? Uh, I kind of don't, but I just <laughs> wait, but wait, but wait. Can I just say this? Don't, you got a pen. And a know, journal in front of you. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But no, but what he was saying was so interesting. I wasn't going to write it. Just real quick. I wasn't no, going to okay. divide my attention. Okay. Um, Good save. But I was going to say something that you said. To, I mean, you, but but you guys kind of answered what I was going to get into in terms of like I, you have to you have to be proactive right. with asking people stuff because I remember again I was working at the bond company. This was like ten years ago. Um, there was one time that my boss was like, can you take me down to AFM? And uh, I was like, I mean, okay, because I don't do this for you, but I will, <laughs> right. you know, uh, you know, because because that was my role there. But I, but I was, we were driving down there and he was like on the phone and, and then when it was over, I was like, okay, you know what, how does it, we, we're doing that movie called Brothers with Natalie Portman and oh, right, J. Right, right. Hall. And I, and I was like, how did this movie come together the way it did? Because mm. no one's getting their money. Like, no one. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one's The most uncomfortable drive exactly. ever. <laughs> well, no, no, because I'm, you know, I know, not for him, him right. me or him, but I'm right. saying, but the actors did not get their full quote. I mean, it was, right. whole, it was, it was known that no one's getting their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, well, see, that's, Really, what the producer's job is. The producer's job has to be, you got to know these people, and he's got to mm-hmm. sit down, and he's got to like really convince them when, you know, in, in a way when their agents and their managers right. aren't around to be, you know, to say, do this movie. And I was like, oh, so he's just the, right. the expert salesman. He was like, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was, but he was, you know, and because I asked that, he was like, okay, you know what, like, 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 you know, he was like, park the car, come with me inside, and he, you know, and he took me in to meet all these other like top people who were like, right. you know, like just like the people, the wild bunch, and I was like, oh, you know, and they were, and he was really cool about it, but it's because I asked him that one thing about mm-hmm. this movie that we were having like so many problems trying to get everyone <laughs> to, to close, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, but you're right, you got to ask them because because people people yeah. will give you because I think the mistake is is that people think that I'm your assistant you should tell me right well no I don't have to tell I mean look there's so much going on in, in, in my world right now I can't right. figure out to, the time to say oh this is what you need to learn mm-hmm. yeah especially if these people are producers or executive producers they have a million decisions to make every single day so they can't really be bothered with you know, reading your script potentially, but it's it's that catch trying too of when should I approach these people? Right. And the idea is you do put in the time, and then when the time comes, you do ask them 
for whatever you need to, but only if you feel it's appropriate at that time. Uh, you know, if you just met that person at a mixer, you're not going to be like, hey, can you read my script now? Right. Because it doesn't make sense. But if you were an assistant to that one person for months, if not years, then obviously, hopefully, you've had those conversations throughout that process. Uh, maybe it's the equivalent of a general meeting with your boss that you have where right. you, you know, you get a drink with that person right. and, and chat over what you want to do. That doesn't right. mean you're going to ask for a better job. That just means, oh, that person is now aware that I don't want to be that person assistant for the rest of my yeah. life when you when you go in for an assistance job like writers 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 pa writers um, <clears throat> um any of those positions do you how many people do you have to meet does it depend on the show? Uh, it depends on the show. Uh, if, if it's a maybe a lower-level position, like a Red SPA, you're usually going to be meeting either the showrunner or the EP. Okay. Uh, that's at least one person. If it's more of a showrunner's assistant, obviously, then at that point, you're going to obviously be meeting the showrunner's assistant right. uh, and the, the showrunner himself or herself. Uh, if it's... Uh, if you're filling it for essentially replacing someone else's job, you're probably going to be meeting that assistant as well because that assistant wants uh, to be replaced by uh, a good person. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my story of breaking in, I guess, so I don't forget it mostly, I'm going to front load the advice. <laughs> I'm going to front load the pieces of advice and then get attempt in, to illustrate in. it through the story. So uh, the three things that I would give advice to you know writers showing up and trying to break in is firstly, like no job is too big or too small right. and you should do it enthusiastically. Um, the second one, see, I'm already forgetting. No, uh, no. <laughs> but, but that goes yeah. in my if I drop it, pick it up thing. Exactly, right? absolutely. Okay. The second one is make a lot of friends. Okay. Uh, and the third one is go above and beyond. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, the way that I kind of got my first, I guess, break is I was doing all these little PA jobs around on sets. I would do like two days on this show and two days on that show and one week here and, and all that kind of thing. And eventually I kind of um, had this opportunity to basically, uh, it was like a, a screening for a cast and crew of a movie they had just finished and they needed PAs to kind of stand around and um, usher people in and out mm -hmm. and like make sure the food was there and like change the trash cans and whatever so uh, I was the first person that kind of like heard about it and, and I was like oh yeah I'd love to do that and they're like oh cool yeah we got to organize all these other people blah 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 so instead I went and found another 10 people for them mm -hmm. who I had been friends with through doing the PA work and I'm like oh yeah I've got my crew right here yeah. Let's so do then it. you got to be the head PA exactly. right? I did yeah I basically like wrangled my way into being exactly. like their boss and I'm like, like alright you guys stand in this store you guys do that and I just kind of like and no then one you don't have to do okay. none of the, none of the I, bad shit right. yeah. no one asked me to do that I was just like here they smart. all are. smart right. Right. you gotta be smart when yes. you're working always work smart never hard and uh, they were so impressed that like I took all of that responsibility out of their hands and mm -hmm. now I brought all those people there they didn't have to go find them that they had kept me in mind for this director's assistant position that was coming up so wow. before that all I was doing was standing on set and being a uh, shit kicker PA and now they were like hey we have this director coming into town this is like a big film for Lionsgate like do you want to meet him and I'm like yes absolutely mm -hmm. uh, and I went in met with the director and we hit it off and, and then so I did that for the next I don't know four or five months and mm -hmm. that was probably my first really like big break into doing something uh, beyond that uh, and through that I kind of met various like I was always emailing back and forth with like his like agent's assistant and manager's assistant um the producer who's a really big film producer he sent his assistant up from LA uh and I made good friends with her and I kind of got to the point where I realized I could get a visa to come down to the states mm -hmm. and I uh, just emailed all those people and I was like hey I'm actually moving down to LA do you guys want to grab coffee you want to grab drinks let's you know I don't mm -hmm. know anyone there yet mm -hmm. and that that producer's assistant who I met on set of that film when I was assisting the director became like my first friend in LA and still to this day one of my yeah. best friends and uh -huh. through her I met so many more people mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, That's a good story. I mean, okay. it's a great story. I mean, I, I think that what, see, this was interesting about like what you guys are doing, what you're saying is that 
you don't, you can't just be a writer because there's so, I mean, you can, but there's so much more that, I mean, the stuff you're talking about now is you understand producing and right. what, and that, that other aspect of it. And I really think that I always and find contracts it, and contracts. all that. Right. But it's, I find it interesting when you meet people who are, who are writers who've been on staff and then they got to go and produce their episode and they're like intimidated. They have no idea. And I'm kind of like, why? Yeah. Why? I mean, that's like, that's the fun part. Yeah, I don't understand. That's why I you spend chair time. Yes. You can go to, you can see, come together. Yes. And, but but I understand what's intimidating because if you haven't done it, I mean, right. and look, and the and the 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 the, 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 the train is massive, right. and there's fifty to hundred people who are all kind of like pointing down to one person who's who's wrangling it all. Mm-hmm. But it's like that level of like confidence that like you did. Like, oh, you know what? I've got my team of ten people mm-hmm. that all of a sudden like is is, is going to translate to the next time that you want to do something. Right. It was actually a pyramid scheme. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say the, the intimidation to me is the turnaround. No. The turnaround is so fast on a set, you know, especially for a TV show. Mm. That's what's intimidating. It's like, oh my god, I got to have all this done in six days or seven days or fourteen days or whatever it is, and you're just like, I've never even really been on a set. If you're, you know, some. You know, staff yeah. writer. No, I can't recommend enough. Like actually getting some experience on set, whether it's as a PA or assisting. Someone Even doing else a on short set. will at least oh, yeah. get you used to some school stuff. Set, like it's, you know? I see, I see that, that that's the thing that I always find interesting is that like I came out here just doing set work because right. I wanted to be a, a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and I you know at, at the USC they do something where they the, the program I was in it was just in the summer they they make you work on other people's sets. They make you be in, and then you got in all different in all different positions. So it's like, you know, so, so then it's, it's you to do booms, you to do Mm -hmm. Ronda Nagra. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's you to be the DPs, you you know, do all this. So you understand what is like the holding it entails. Mm -hmm. And then like sitting down and writing is just now, I mean, I mean, nothing is easy. On any level, and it's actually the it's way harder than any it's way harder than any of those jobs. Right. I mean, those jobs are just like you're just doing shit, right. you know. Um, <laughs> but but I see, I see where you're going. The importance of it is when you know how to produce. Like before, I ever started producing in 2009, and I've done 26 projects since 2009. I write differently because I know how to produce different. Because mm. I, I know how to trim, or I know how to. Oh, we can't. We're not going to be able to afford that. Or even if I'm writing without any boundaries, I still am thinking in that route. That you was specifically I mean? why one of the super, uh, one of the co EPs on my show got hired right. was because of her producing experience right. on shows and on set. Whereas the other co EPs didn't have that level of producing mm. experience, even though they were at the level because they right. rose the ranks. Right. They had that on set experience. Right. Yeah, no, it absolutely informs your writing, just having a basic understanding of physical production. Like once you spent 15 hours standing at a door, uh, <laughs> looking out in the rain as they're filming some scene that is like completely useless and they're going to cut out anyway, you're right. like, oh, maybe I should think a little harder about what I'm writing and what, right. what it actually entails when I write this scene. It means mm-hmm. that we're going to have to have 100 people out mm-hmm. on a day all getting paid. It's going to cost this much money. It's going to take mm-hmm. this much time. Right. Uh, it really changes how you think about your writing, I think. And it makes you think, should this be at night? Yeah. <laughs> you know Should I mean? they have children and animals right. and, and fire Should and it acrobatics in it? Because, because the, the rain machines are oh, like. Man. That I shit mean, look good on paper, all dramatic and everything. It's I mean, like. Well, see, see no. I mean, it's interesting because I think that's like a. You know, you mentioned about you don't have a budget. And I, and I always say there's always a budget constraint. I understand that people always. say there's, people say don't write with a budget on mind, but you kind of have to. It doesn't matter who you are because, you know, there's. Project Steven Spielberg wants to do or Michael Bay that they don't do because they're like that's too much money, right. mm. you know. And uh, and but you're right. I mean, 
knowing how to, de- to determine where the drama is going to be can uh, because that's all that every scene has to do is like be dramatic, and mm-hmm. then you got to and and then you might say, could it be tweaked if we put it here instead right. of here? You know, and that's and 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 there's a lot of that that comes from if you're going to be. Uh, um, if you've done set producing, I mean, like now, like the you know, like the biggest peeve I have when I watch shit is when they're in, is 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 when the, is when you're in cars. Oh, and I'm God. like, you're on a stage. You're yeah, on a stage. You're on a stage yeah, yeah. because I can pain. see I it. I'm so yeah. used to seeing it. I'm yes. so I'm so you know. I, I mean, I I get why they got to be in a car, but it's like uh, I hate when I when the background just looks and they're just trying to steer the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I, moves I had, the wheel that I'm having a conversation <laughs> like this. And, Five minutes then gone by. You have not looked at the road yeah, yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I'm just like, uh. kids fire I'm like, oh, what's that? So, where are you guys working now and how did you get those jobs? Well, as of Tuesday last week, Damn, I just got staffed in a comedy room. You did? Okay. Oh. Yay. You made it. Our boy's growing up. He's trying to make Papa cry okay. over here. <laughs> really? Yeah. So how did that, how did that come that about? That kind of came about, well, a couple of ways, actually. I obviously can't get into too many details about what it is, but um, essentially my writing partner and I got our agent through knowing other assistants. And I actually started a script writing competition for other assistants. It's called the A-List or the Assistant List. And really? so people who are uh, assistants can put their scripts in. you were in. on there too, in the A-List. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, I co-created it with someone else, mm-hmm. and we basically okay. opened that up for free to assistants to put their stuff in. Uh, we entered our stuff because it was still like we weren't the ones doing the judging. There were right. like readers and there's voting right. and all this kind of thing. Right. And uh, yeah, Alex and I at some point both got on this list. And through that, I met an agent's assistant, and he had read stuff like our scuff and down the line it wasn't immediately it was like a year or two later um my writing partner and i were like oh we should really step up our game we want to get an agent we were like reaching out to friends seeing who would like be willing to put stuff on desks and he did and we signed with this agent so Mm -hmm. over the last year or so we've been out taking general meetings with people getting out and around and uh this was one that just kind of like they were aware of it we had seen something that there was like this kind of like pilot for it that was up on youtube at one point Mm -hmm. and we had actually reached out to the creator of it just online like just like oh this is amazing this is really cool because at the time like it wasn't a tv show no one had reached out and bought it from it was just this proof of concept and we got coffee with him when he was in la got to know him uh, telling you twitter and all that shit is smart and then one day like we hear it gets picked up by a network Mm. and suddenly we're like oh wow and our agent heard that they were like submitting for writers and Mm -hmm. so we submitted our stuff and then we texted this guy and we're like hey we heard your show's thing that's congrats that's amazing our agent just submitted it for us (laughs) and yeah, right at the end of last year, we, we got called in, met with them, really? got called back again, started this year, met with the network, and, and we got it. So. Nice. Oh, yeah. So nice. fucking, you have so nice. Pro- I told them from the day I met them, y'all don't be showrunners, both of y'all. <laughs> they are so smart, so don't savvy. Don't forget us little ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Don't act like you don't know us when you walk by, like, oh, there's Alex and oh. That was that. This is just the beginning. <laughs> yes. This is the beginning. Yes. That's good. Yes. It took it took a couple of years, but you got it. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy. What's up, Alice? And how'd uh, you get yours? Sure. I mean, I'm uh, I'm working on this show called Alter Carbon. It's uh, coming out on Netflix. Oh, on I, love I love that book. I love that book. It's a great book. I'm actually mad because it was at Joel Silver's company like 10 years ago. It's a movie, and we tried to get them to do do it as a movie. And they're like, it's too much money. 
<laughs> too much money. It's too much story to and tell. And then Netflix uh, came along and was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. Trump change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, I can't really say too much about the show because NDAs of the Wazoo. Gotcha. But, uh, gotcha. Read the book and gotcha. everyone don't know that. Read the book. <laughs> it's all in there. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great show. It's a good, the, the people there is are amazing you it's the best room I've been in in my entire life right. the, the genre is fantastic who's the showrunner um, Levi Calagritis. Uh she uh, was an EP on Avatar and uh, mm-hmm. she wrote Shutter Island and uh, a does, bunch of other yeah, features right. does she write does she, does she write the, 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 the last Terminator movie yes correct okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, she also co-wrote the Battle Angel Alita coming yeah. out oh, okay. mm-hmm. so anything anime related usually she has yeah a, with the big know. the big old ginormous eyes where it's like <laughs> I'm in that uncanny valley like I'm not sure how I feel about the look but I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I, I, I don't feel that look uh, well you know it's one of those where I saw it I was like whoa and I'm like okay I'm gonna have to like adjust <laughs> well it's Robert Rodriguez and I, and I just right. I mean I know he's a talented guy but I don't listen like like enjoy his frequency so mm-hmm. I just realized it's not gonna be for me mm-hmm. okay. uh, but just describing my interview process mm-hmm. that's uh, an interesting story because now you said this is a callback to something you did a couple of years ago right right so mm-hmm. the reference the reference came in clutch uh, okay at, at look the, at that at the, at the, he threw it out there at the at the, at the, at the the last minute but in terms of the actual getting to the interview stage that was essentially what happened was a friend of mine texted me about this opening. Mm-hmm. Are you interested? Yes, I'm interested on a Thursday mm-hmm. night. So I sent in my resumes, resumes forwarded. On Friday, the Shorna's assistant, who happens to be a friend of mine, is like, hey, Alex, didn't know you were looking, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Uh, can you come in for an interview today in like two hours? I'm telling you, they are, uh, they are staffing fast. Yeah, By the time they reach out to you, they have like one day. And so I come in, I meet with the, the EP, mm-hmm. uh, and essentially they were saying, oh, we're, got, we're starting Monday, we've got to decide right. now, so I'm waiting for a call on uh, that evening, I don't get a call back, so I'm like, okay, whatever, Saturday happens, no, no <laughs> answer, <laughs> no callbacks. <laughs> Sunday happens, still no callbacks, still no I callbacks. go to bed not knowing or not whether I'm going to wake up on Monday with a job, right. I wake up on Monday, no calls, so I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't get it. Right. Uh, then I, I get a call from uh, from the assistant, being like, hey, so we're starting now, can you come in? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Damn. We also had a super tight turnaround on our start. We found out Friday afternoon we were getting the offer for the show, and uh, then they called us back, like, Saturday morning, and like, also oh, you start Tuesday. <laughs> so well, uh, it's, it's it's funny because I think a lot of people, look closer, you know, don't don't realize that it goes so fast. I remember just you know it was a project we were working on one time in the early two thousands, feature thing, and it's like, you know, they send it to you on a Thursday, or they send it out on a Thursday, mm-hmm. and you get people asking about it. A lot of different people calling you about it on like on Friday. Friday, and then on Monday they're like, "Okay, this is what, this is what we're doing. We're yeah. going so forward." They're, they try, they're trying to get a bidding war going. Yeah, right, and right. It's, I mean, and and and, and as the as the writer. It's interesting because like nothing in your whole space goes that fast. The writing process, right. people reading it, you editing, you what it, like like your whole space is never mm-hmm. that fast. All of a sudden, it's like it's just like okay, here it is in warp drive, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like this whipsaw thing because you're not used to it, you know. Um, but oh, by the way, Nick, can you just say is it animation or is it? Uh, yeah, it's an animated. Okay, good. okay. okay. You can't give us a title, goddamn it! <laughs> I will have to wait. I have to scour the trays, like. <laughs> Then that his face gonna pop up. Yeah, in terms of the the whole speed of it, I mean that's why 
networking and relationships are so important is because you want to be in the conversation when the decision when those decisions are being made or those questions are being asked of who should we hire next um, and jumping on something Nick said earlier in terms of networking you really need to make friends I feel like that's right. the the big takeaway here is it's not about building fake relationships or single use friends uh, whatever that fight club uh, <laughs> word was. Uh, but uh, really it's about building long lasting relationships and to my point, I mean, the, the, the show I'm on now, the, the assistant that put me in uh, contention is a friend of mine who I've known for a while now, and we build a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's not someone I met at a mixer. I mean, I met him at a mixer maybe years ago, but right. it's not someone I just met at a mixer last week. Right. He's someone with whom I've, I've built a relationship. And right. so really, if you're going to, if you want those jobs, then you need to meet those people who can get you those jobs. But more importantly, you need to be friends with those people and mm-hmm. not you know, in a fake way. Right, and you've actually done the work to maintain that relationship over the years and be genuinely friends. It's not just you do get a lot of people. You meet once at a mixer and they add you on Facebook or follow mm-hmm. you on Twitter or whatever, and then suddenly when there's an opportunity and you can be useful to them, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, by the way, I heard about this thing. Maybe you can put me in. I get like, 10 of them a week, yeah, trust me. I'll say right now, it, 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 like it never ceases to just be... Yeah, to, to not ask for anything, you know, because as you know, there's all these top, uh, these A-level people that I, I kind of run into. Right. I mean, I was just sending out like cards to people um, in the holidays, and uh, there's, there's one guy who I who I love his work. Uh, he was he he emailed me back. He's like, hey man, it's been a minute. You know, like let's uh, it's just my number. Give me a call and let's hang out. And I was like, I'm not asking for anything. Right. I don't, and I could, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to because I don't. I, I, it's just not smart for me to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's the only way to really make something on that level work because mm-hmm. everyone who's really high and is like, it is a name person, right. um, you know. I'm sure everyone is asking them shit, you know. And it's like, um, I don't want to be that person. And I kind of feel like it's what you guys said. But just know this though: there's also I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's also I'm at a point now. My new mantra for 2018 is to ask people. So sometimes you get to a level, but I'm talking about people I have relationships yeah. with. Yeah. Well, so, that, so there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, there's no, a difference. no, no. Yeah. Well, this, this is someone who right. I've known. and We've right. talked business every once in a while, you know. But I remember one time, like a year ago, like we were at a, I was at the writers' group screening. Mm-hmm. I was at my brother, and he just came up to me and said, "Hey, man." I was like, I didn't expect him to do that, you know, because right. he's too too high level. Right. And um, but I was like, that's really cool, you know, because yeah. I feel like. You know, like I made an impression on him, and it's like you definitely gotta like you like, like you've been saying is that you gotta figure the right time, mm-hmm. and once you know that you feel you you're there with him right. or her, then you make that ask, and then it's it's not um, it's not awkward. Mm. Or the thing I happened we one time where the guy asked me, right. <laughs> you know, like, all right, well here's the script, you right, know, so right, right. Well, maybe this is a, a controversial analogy now, but I feel like networking is a lot like dating. Uh, but it's not, it's not literally dating people. Don't go out on uh, networking dates and then actually go in for a kiss. Uh, oh, damn. Give me that job. Give me that job. <laughs> but, you know, like sending your script is like making out or uh, getting that first kiss. You don't want to do that necessarily in the, or maybe sleeping with right, that person. Right. Whatever level right. of comfort you have with that person, right. you know, be wary. Of, of how you come across and also uh, if that person is comfortable with you making that move mm. uh, is kind of my whole point here. 
Yeah, in regards to like you know asking people for stuff or whatever, I'm really big on just kind of creating value yourself and in your own life and inviting other people into that. Right, Whether right. it's right. Uh, organizing a camping trip and just being like, hey, who wants to come along to this? And you make friends through that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even necessarily an industry related thing. Or you know, like I said, I started the script competition. That's been Lisa, going. For the- Lisa said she'll go camping with you next time you go. By yeah, let's do it. That's what she camp- does. I That'd love camping. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're, we're all going on a camping <laughs> trip after this, guys. No, no, but, y'all uh, are going. <laughs> I'm glamping, bitch. I ain't camping. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Or glamping. All right. Like glamping. Okay. No. No. I need to be in a cabin no. with a bathtub and a shower. I don't socialize no. with those people. Yeah. No. But uh, <laughs> so that script competition I started is now in its, it, they just did the third year. And oh, like, wow. I'm not even like actively running it this year. I handed it off to some other people. And like through that, we then send this list out around town. A lot of people have gotten managers and agents. Okay. Some people nice. have gotten staffed on shows. And so you're paying it for it. You're doing Exactly. You yeah. It's, it's not do. benefiting me directly anymore. And that's, I, that doesn't bother me. I, right. I love the fact that it's helping other people. Right. So Nick and Alex, now that you guys are about to blow up, <laughs> oh, they gonna blow literally, up. literally blow up! Blow up. Blow. You heard it here. You heard it here. They about to right. look. We have so many people on here telling who we're telling them like you're so, and then they blow up, and right. he's like, "All right, how's that going to do with the podcast? You going to still be able to? Are you going to have time to do the podcast and stuff?" And I mean, that's kind of been like our whole idea all along is to be able to start in a position where we are just like at the bottom of the rung, and then track our journey the whole way through. And like, hey, now we're writers. Hey, now we're producers. Hey, now okay. we're showrunners. So it. ten years down the track, no, if I have people an can Emmy. go back and watch the. Yes, I hope so. yes. Please don't blame <laughs> those people that they blow up and they stop doing it because yes. that, like, this is one of those archival things. Because mm-hmm. I think you know, especially everyone talks about coming to Hollywood and doing that. I just think it's so important that people, you know, internationally have that like they can track that progress like there's somebody in Australia right now who's listening to your podcast or listening to this or somebody in France or anywhere in the world mm-hmm. who's like I can do that too and it'd just be cool that you guys I just don't want you guys to stop doing the podcast get so famous that you just stop well, like, I, mean, oh. I, I, I right. mean look I mean I, I look at it like if 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 John and Craig can do it you know right yeah. Yeah. Particularly- and then you guys listen to Happier in Hollywood you ever listen to that one no that one didn't mean to you. That's that's one where there's Liz and Sarah. I know, I, yeah, I know exactly. The yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. they're showrunners and they they have their own podcast and it's about living how to survive in Hollywood, right. and be happy. It's right. really good. Right, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, because I, it's just you know, I mean, there's uh, you have the time to do it if you want to make it the time mm-hmm. because I just kind of feel like everybody. Uh, I mean, certain people I know who are at the top level type of thing, I mean, they're out doing conferences a lot and like yeah. international shit. And I'm like, speak, like like those guys who went to France to teach teach the people how to write right. the American mm-hmm. television. It's like, if you got time to do that, then you could do this other mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. it's just probably, what, a couple of hours out of your out of your week. You know, <laughs> well, not the one they do. <laughs> not the one they do. <laughs> we usually get together like once every second week, and uh, we'll record like a couple of apps just over mm-hmm. a day on a weekend. So, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. So, Man. any since you, I'm gonna follow what y'all do. Any resources for assistance? <laughs> oh my god. Putting us on the spot. That's the question we ask people. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, we're, going up, we're going off script. There's no outline in front of us. Uh, That's what you get for having an outline. Uh, <laughs> you always recommend that Peter Nowak thing, right? Oh, the the production assistance guide. I mean, that's a fun little book. It's not really, um, I mean, it's an interesting book if you were first starting out. Uh, Peter Nallwalk, who's now the, well, he's the creator of yeah. How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was an assistant, he co-wrote this guide. I think it's called The Hollywood's Assistant's 
Bible handbook. guide okay. handbook mm-hmm. exactly, um, and it's kind of a fun look at what your job entails as an assistant. Uh, it's much more oriented to desk and agents assistants, okay. um, so it may not be practical if you want to be in the room. But um, it was kind of a fun book that I read when I first started out that still is kind of useful. Right. Uh, there's a book that I read by uh, Carol Kirshner, and I think it's called the Hollywood oh, Game Plan. We're gonna have her yes. on the show next. Oh, time. nice. Yeah. yeah, she's amazing. I, I met her at one of those conferences in Australia mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. people come over and talk to us. She's about amazing. Stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, like she just gives super practical advice about just literally how do you move to LA? How do you get set up? Like mm-hmm. how do you start meeting people? The kind of stuff that we're trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, as well in our episodes. Um, so I think a lot of people, you know. Um, get too lost in the side of like, oh, I need to focus on my craft and understand the business and whatever, but there are just some practicalities that it's really right. helpful to know as well. Mm-hmm. And in terms of apps and softwares, uh, I do recommend Boomerang if you use Gmail. That's an extension, Chrome extension, Firefox extension that allows you to schedule things, uh, schedule email. So you can write that email now and have it sent maybe tomorrow it's morning. It's Boomerang? Boomerang, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. It's a, mm-hmm. free, it's a free extension. Okay. Uh, it's very useful as an assistant because you can answer emails that you may not want to send right now. Right. Uh, and it, it or you can also re- boomerang emails that you receive. If you don't want to deal with something now, you can boomerang it later. So you re-receive that email later in that day or that really? week or whatever it is. No, I got to mm-hmm. get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the other sort of software, it's not really software, um, but it's uh, it's called Full Contact. Uh, it's an app or you know web thing. Uh, it's a contact management software. It's mm-hmm. also free, uh, but I use it personally to manage all my contacts. And you can add tags, you can add notes, uh, and also it syncs with... Um, your social media so it recognizes that person's email address really? uh, assuming again it's not like a work email but mm-hmm. like a gmail yahoo or me.com and it's going to recognize oh that person is also on twitter under that account it's going to oh. sync sort of their the timelines across devices so you don't have to go find it that's exactly, right. exactly. Right. so that's okay, very cool. useful nice uh, and yeah and despite what I just said I do think it is important to have an understanding of the business <laughs> and how the town actually works <laughs> as well so uh, if you want to do that there's this uh, writer Chad Gurvich and he has two oh, books that are great, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, small great. screen big picture yeah. is a, a tiny bit outdated now. It's written around the time of the writer's strike. Yeah, and then, yes, and how to manage your agent. Yeah. Both of those provide an incredible insight into just how Hollywood works and how you know agencies work and how right. things get set up and how even like networks and studios are different from each other, all that kind of thing. Like this, the kind of stuff that you don't necessarily learn in school or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just super practical advice and it, and it helps you in a Jen Grisanti used to, she do not do her podcast anymore, does she? I don't think so. Yeah, because she did a fucking amazing episode with Chad when he first came out with the book. It was so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, Cool. So where are you guys at? Well, on Twitter, I'm at TV Calling. You can also go on my website, tv-calling.com. And I think we're, we have a podcast, right? I think. <laughs> <laughs> promote it. Yeah. Promote it. I mean, our podcast is at www.paperteam.co. That's C-O. We, we, could, we could not get the com. What, what episode am I? Number 40? 47. Oh, yeah. 47. Check out Hilliard's mm-hmm. one, yeah. 47. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. If I knew that I was going to have to say it so many times on a podcast, I would never <laughs> put an, un- an underscore in front of my name. Right. Uh, and also, I've been putting out uh, this thing called the Salmon Pages, which is like a satire website. It's like The Onion, but just for Hollywood entertainment industry oh, okay, stuff. Cool. With a couple and Salmon's delicious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the joke was it's kind of like you're up to that revision of the script, the Salmon Pages. Yes. 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 So we put out new like headlines and articles every day on that. I think it's like medium.com or like Salmon Pages. I don't, I don't remember, but mm-hmm. look it up. Um, we have like a Facebook for that as well. So. Nice. Oh, real quick, to access your mm-hmm. episode, people can go to paperteam.co slash 47 for the oh, show notes <laughs> and uh, the episode itself. That's right. We and I talk about writing from the outside in or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Something like that, right? 
Yeah, it was breaking from outside. That's uh, it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if people want to ch- check out our early episodes, we cover a lot of the stuff about the practicalities of moving right. to LA. I tell everybody to start from people. page from one. Yes, from you guys one. have a lot yeah. of games. How many episodes are we in now? Seventy something. Yeah, seventy five, seventy six. Yeah, yes. we try to put one out every week, except for some holidays. Subscribe, so. subscribe. Yeah. Where you at, Chris? DerekBrothers.com, ShadowboxerCinema.net. Tell them about your t-shirts. You got to tell them. You got to tell them. So I had these t-shirts, and it's called The Queens of Cinema. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it just kind of mentions like you know like seven very important uh, black female um, filmmakers right now. Um, I'll send you guys links to it because I I, because I had to make a redesign from what Mm -hmm. I showed you. yeah, it's just you know, so it's like you would uh, love it, Lisa. Yeah, of course I would. I'm would I'm sitting it. here waiting to get my uh, oh, yeah. hands on a. He probably got shirt. a picture. He could show you. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> no, no, because I did a redesign. Oh, you did, did it again? Okay, I gotta wait. Okay, I gotta wait for the new one. Um, but yeah, but it's 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 like uh, D. Reese and Gina Prince Blythewood and like Vic Mahoney and and Ava DuVernay. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. There's one that's about. Uh, there's one about Seven Samurai one, and there's one from uh, 2001. Uh, hmm. There'll be a few nice. other ones that I'm working on. Okay. Um, and then so. Paul came up with that quote we talked about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just, yeah Paul one. came up with a quote. It's, uh, it's um, you can uh, edit blank pages, but you can't. Uh, it's, it's, something like that. Right? I, you know what? I can't yeah. remember what the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good, it was a cool it was quote. Good. I, mean, yeah, I wrote yeah. it down, and, I'm just, and it's right. almost designed. I'm trying to find some art for it, but um, right. oh, it's basically like you know, you know, like. Um, you can edit bad pages, but you can't edit blank pages. Nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you at, Lisa? What fresh hell is this on Twitter? <laughs> Y'all know I'm a Twitter fiend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, bitch flicks. And you can also, I will be at ICFA. I didn't think I was going to go this year, but I'm going to ICFA, which is the International uh, Conference for the Fantastic and the Arts. It's the academic conference I go to every year in Orlando, Florida, that deals with sci-fi, fantasy from the academic standpoint. But it's a lot of my sci-fi writer friends, and we sit there and, and get to listen to people talk about our work and make us sound really smart <laughs> when, we're, when we're just making up fantastical stories and stuff. And of course... Guess what? Shout out to San Diego. What y'all did. Look, what is it, 27 days now until Black Panther comes out? Something like that. Is it 27 days? It's less than that. Less than that? Yeah. Three days? Two weeks? Uh, 15. Listen, uh, let me let y'all know right now. Eight, 20. San Diego, we about to show out. <laughs> Bunch of our friends, we rented two theaters. 23 days. And we sold out the first one in 24 hours. The second one, uh, we, people coming in like, we need to get tickets because you had the pre-sale tickets and all that. And they were like, well, we want to get the in. the most pre-sale tickets List, Yes, in the history yeah. of Marvel. Yep. Then the second one we got, so all right, let's see if we can get another theater in the same place, mm. different theater, side by side, same time. Two hours, some tickets sold out. Really? So we about to cosplay and show out. I'm about to ask they my uncle. They got a whole listen, schedule set up. Listen, yeah. we got the processional. We got, I got the music ready. We're going to do the electric slide when it's over. Uh, I have an uncle that runs a West African dance troupe. I'm going to see if I can have him come in and do the drum ceremony. Mm-hmm. So when we come in, listen, listen. Everybody is welcome to come see Black Panther. Jeez, but I'm letting you know, if you go to an area with a bunch of black people, they are going to show out. So dress your best. <laughs> you got your outfit yet? Listen, my shirt should be coming in pretty soon. So I have two outfits. I have one that's like a straight African, Afro-Indigenous. But if my shirt comes in, I'm coming as Shuri. So it's supposed to come in on the 12th of February, but if it does not, it's my Black Panther shirt. If not, I would have to like remix and just be some Afro-Futuristic. I'm trying to do a Black Panther shirt. I'm trying to do... You're trying to do one? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the art. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited. But uh, you know what? It's like I was saying on Twitter. I believe that Black Panther 
is going to establish a box office record that w- that will not be broke that will not right. be broken mm-hmm. because I don't I feel that <clears throat> what you don't think Infinity War might be like Black Panther would be like come in and then Infinity War like no, no? okay no, because I kind of feel like you know there's always this talk that there's less and less people watching watching movies or going to the theater mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like this would be like like one of the last spikes that we'll see well this is like an event this is not just a movie we, so we've been ho- black, so I'm just talking about black folk in particular we've been holding it down for two years like the moment they said they was going to make the movie before they even started casting it right. when a bunch of us did the Black Panther so lit hashtag two years ago mm-hmm. and then it's like it just seems like this. it's just riding this incredible wave and we're just mm-hmm. bringing everybody in it's going to be so much fun this is a funny story fun. that Chadwick Boseman t- says about how he got the role I think he was like in Geneva like promoting I think like the what's the movie he did the James Brown movie mm-hmm. or something like oh, right, that right. and he was at some film festival and they were like come out of the screening and he's like what do you mean I'm in the screening he's like come out of the screening you know and he's like alright alright we got to sign up we have, a, we have a movie we we need you to do you get a call and he's like well who is it he goes have you heard of T'Challa and he's like <laughs> oh yeah I'm down I'm in <laughs> have you heard of yes sure. so anywho yes is up. and I'm your host Hilliard Guest you guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest Follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. I see you looking at me, Alex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. <clears throat> Please go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, a lot of good shit going on this year. Things are about to take off big time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Get your boat ready. Okay. Get your motor going. Okay. I will have Click my wine. Engine, gla- I will have my wine glass ready. <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good one. Um, so everybody joining me, y'all know what to do. Go on Facebook oh, and follow us there too. Um, y'all know how we do it on the rant room on the show. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what everybody. Wakanda, Wakanda. forever. Peace, y'all. Ciao. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the red room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. You're pinning words all like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room.